following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this lovely Saturday morning, and I am so excited to share great news and great friends, and uh, it's going to be a great show. I wanted to start by saying congratulations to all of the candidates who ran in the primary, both left and right, because you are heroes. If you're willing to put yourself in that uh, soup stew, you know, you, you it takes some courage and it takes some resources and some commitment a lot of commitment to our state and our municipalities and our country and all of that. So really appreciate uh, all the candidates who ran. And for those who got through, God bless you. May your work be um, honest and filled with conviction for, you know, doing God's work and, and the people's work. It can't be about you. It's got to be about the people. So, uh, you know, this is a time where we really need to appreciate what we have. And we have right now some challenges that uh, candidates are going to be charged with overcoming for us, but they can't be alone. We have to be in it together with them. And uh, I'd like to just welcome to the show he's going to be co-hosting with me today, Bill Folden, who just prevailed in the state Senate race for District 4. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Jen. It's so great to have you with me. Thank you so much for uh, co-hosting and co-piloting with me this morning. I'm going to have a commitment in a little bit, and Bill's going to take over. Uh, we have another guest calling in at half past, Bill Dotson from uh, Calvert, uh, Calvert and Charles County area down that way and Southern Maryland. So we'll we'll bring them into the conversation in a minute. But, you know, Bill, I I just really appreciate all that you've done. You're, you're a law enforcement officer, and I know you guys are going to talk about that today. You know, when you look at the basic things that government is supposed to do for us, as a, as a now uh, a former delegate, right, but now a candidate for state senate, what do you see are the basic things that candidates and, and uh, elected officials are supposed to be looking out for us? Uh, I mean, it comes down to the very basic uh, responsibility that we're supposed to look out for and provide for our constituency. Um, the The role of government is to make sure that we have uh, the basic essential elements with the infrastructure, with having um, the the idea of providing for those that are less fortunate uh, to help them along. Um, we can agree to disagree or or go back and forth with some people about how long that should be sustained or last um, because we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to encourage uh, excellence and get people up on their feet and be self-sustaining. But we don't want to keep, it's, it's not a healthy environment if we keep people on a leash or on a tether and dependent upon the government for everything. It's, that's the beautiful thing about our country is we have the opportunity to do so many things and be successful in so many different ways. And until we really encourage that excellence and stop celebrating this mediocrity mindset that comes out uh, of some of the school curriculum, um, I don't think we're going to see that. 
you know, you you remind me of something, right? We learned it as kids years and years ago, Maslow's hierarchy. Of, right. And, and in that hierarchy, the top of it isn't food and water. The the bottom, the fundamental is food and water and, and housing and so forth. That's, you know, something we want to make sure everybody has those basics. But, but you know, the, the ultimate is self-fulfillment. And self-fulfillment doesn't come, to your point, from from being tethered to somebody's uh, being a benefit uh, beneficiary of different uh, handouts ongoingly. Listen, we all know there are times we need a little bump. Absolutely. We need a little help. We need a little helping hand. We have all been there. And now we have the opportunity to, you know, pay it backward. We always say pay it forward, but pay it backward to folks. And when we've been beneficiaries of help, now we have the opportunity to help others. And that's the way it should be. And it should come from the people, not from the government. People take care of people, right? Absolutely. So, but this idea of self-fulfillment is so important, and it won't come if you feel taken care of. And you will never achieve that self-fulfillment being on the dole. It just won't happen. It hits yeah. on your self-esteem and your self-confidence. You've got to feel good about who you are and what you're doing. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just feel good about it, you know? Right. And so, uh, well, that's really great. So it's great to have you with us. And I want to just give an acknowledgement uh, to Dan Cox, who prevailed in the primary. Congratulations, yep, congratulations to Dan and his team. You know, that's uh, a fantastic thing. And we have to look forward. You know, we have to look forward as a state uh, and uh, as a nation, and when we look at the divide that's occurred in, let's say, the Republican Party, right. uh, I think the Democrats are far better at remaining friends uh, than we are. <laughs> but, you know, there's an opportunity right now to come together. How do you see that we facilitate that, Bill? I think you did a nice job of kind of staying out of the fray, probably better than I did. I've tried. Uh, but <laughs> it's a little different when you're running what? for office, in fairness. I mean, you've got to kind of try to, you know, especially in a contested primary, Seriously. there's a lot of emotions. Um, it's a very highly charged uh, race. Uh, but we're at a really, we're, we are at a breaking point within our party as far as if the Republicans or, or Democrats, any party at this point, and after a primary, it's important um, that they come together and that there's unity. Um, if we have these fractured, you know, uh, groups that are upset with each other because of how things unfolded, um, we're only hurting the overall direction of what we say that we got into these positions to make or affect this change. And if we start removing ourselves or, or, or doing these things, we're only hurting our party, our ideals, our views. And, and that's not good for the people that we say we want to represent. So it's an important time for us that we start to heal. Um, we we want to heal Frederick County. Um, we want to heal our state across the board as far as Republicans. We don't want this divide. And we want and like you said, we're, it's time to heal the country. We're, we still have people that are using divisive tactics under you know President Trump to try to not encourage or advance any ideals that they have on the on the other side of the aisle but as the boogeyman as to why not to vote for anybody on the Republican Party. And so we as the party must come together and present a unified front. That solidarity is paramount to the success of anything we're going to try to affect with moving our state forward in a better direction. Amen. Well said. 
Yeah, and I, I really, um, I guess I'm, I'm prayerful that we can look at the greater good, because I really think that what we're dealing with at now the next level of, of this race has nothing to do with party. It really has nothing to do with party. Right. It has to do with, are we up for freedom? Are we up for our constitutional rights being upheld? Are we up for the Constitution being upheld? Or are we up for um, a socialist mentality that does to people? Right. You know, it's, it's put upon people. You must do it this way or else you're a bad person or you're a t- criminal. And these are not what our ideals and values are are from the get-go. I mean, if you go back to our founding documents and principles and foundational documents, then you you know that we are hold on one second just trying to get some air in my car. We are, you know, we are we are in a place right now where we have to set those fundamental values as paramount. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to set aside party issues. So this is really an outreach to the Democrats and then independents. You've got a very clear choice to make. If we look at it from the the top down, in the case of Dan versus Wes, and I don't have the pleasure of knowing Wes Moore, but I have read some things about Wes Moore and his values, and they don't, they're, they're, diametrically opposed to Dan Cox. Correct. So so the the Democrats and the independents are really going to have an opportunity right now to have that, as we call it, come to Jesus moment where you sit down and go, okay, I've been a Democrat all my life and I can't subscribe to this socialist, communist kind of mentality where government is bigger than the people. Right. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's important for us to come together now. I mean, we've got a rally behind the flag. The the voters have spoken. Um, We all get the opportunity to uh, be involved in this process. It's a privileged process. And I think sometimes people take it for granted. I don't think the voter turnout was to the level that anybody who's running for office who puts that kind of effort in would have liked to have had. However, we have the results. We have um, the opportunity. And... Now that the voters have spoken, it's time to rally behind that banner. Uh, and, and now the messaging becomes even more important moving forward because if you're a Republican, you're in the super minority. If you're a Democrat, you're in the super majority. The independents and your blue dog Democrats. Um, and, and we can't have the fractured. Uh, that's what I was talking about with the healing earlier. You know, the party is important. We can't have people upset about, you know, the results and unwilling to now work together we can't have the group that prevailed gloating and doing things that are all together you know uh they tear down the party ideal of what we're all trying to rally behind so if we can come together as a party that's important then it's time to spearhead and kind of set the azimuth on how we provide or proceed from this point forward to engage the independents and show them what our message is, what the message is across the aisle to the Blue Dog Democrats. And and, and that, those facets and, and moving forward in that fashion, I think that's how we really find a measure of success 
that is attainable. What you said, the healing is so important. I agree with you completely, and it really is uh, a time to to be bigger than you. Really find the biggest part of ourselves to honor one another because this is about all Marylanders. And I would say this even in your race or in your position, and I think it's very good possibility you're going to be our next state senator for the district four because you have so many conservatives in that district but the the point is that you will have to represent all conservatives across the state not just district four because we don't have enough uh representation in annapolis there is no balance in annapolis Correct. Now, one of the things I want to tell the listeners, and, and then we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll come back, and you'll take it from the half after after news and weather. But I want people to know something, okay? And we'll get we're going to be covering it in the next couple of weeks. Make no mistake, there was election fraud this time. We have the evidence. I've gotten calls from around the state from people who witnessed it. Mm. So don't ever fool yourself into thinking that what you think you're seeing is the truth. So there is still some unveiling and dealing with to do. They lost seven, I think. I'm I'm working on getting more of the details on this. Thumb drives from the precincts in Baltimore City. They lost them. They misplaced them. Someone took them. Something happened to those thumb drives. The moment they left the possession of the people who are supposed to keep them safe, there's no chain of custody. Correct. Those votes are compromised, period. Right. So we don't get to tolerate this anymore because what happens in these local precincts is what happens in the country. Because this is the stuff that is costing us our freedom. Yeah. So I'm I'm adamant that we get to the bottom of it regardless because we must know the truth. So I want the listeners to know we will be covering that. Everybody, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Sweeties on the Creek, we're scooping now. Dianovich and Associates, a great security company, and Flamingo Pool Supply. I have Bill Folden with me today, and we will be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have with me today Bill Folden, who is now the GOP nominee for the 4th District for State Senate. And thank you, Bill, for being here. But I really want to talk to you about your regular gig. You are a police officer. Correct. Correct. Where where are you currently serving? You've had several different roles. What is your current assignment? So I'm currently the assistant chief of police at the University of Maryland Police Department at Baltimore, which is the campus at Shock Trauma. Wow, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. There's a lot. There's a lot to deal with. I mean, having yeah. worked in Baltimore and seeing the violence, and following it carefully because I had colleagues that were in the fray. Uh, thank you for doing that. That's huge that you are doing that for Baltimore City. Yeah, thank I'm honored so to be much. a part of it. And you know, I just left Frederick Police. It's bittersweet. For, bittersweet for me. I just left Frederick Police three weeks ago to take that position. I'm honored to be offered it. Uh, but I love Frederick. I grew up in Frederick. 
Um, as a child, I, I grew up in, I went to TJ High School, came back from after my military service and policed in all of Frederick County or Frederick City over the past 28 years. It's been an amazing opportunity. I've seen a lot of changes. And the last three years has probably been the most difficult of my career, quite honestly. But I'm honored to be in a position to kind of uh, work with the chief and set an azimuth moving forward and, you know, hopefully be the tip of that spear in this new uh, generation of law enforcement that we're putting on and, and moving forward with. Fantastic. Now, one of the things I just happened to run across yesterday in my preparing for the show was an article about Kenley, North Carolina. Yeah. This just happened in the last 24 to 48 hours, I think, is when they this yep. occurred. All of the police department resigned to the town manager. Yes. They said, we've had enough of your nonsense. Yeah, and she they just got there like a, a month hostile, ago. Hostile work environment, and you lose your entire police department. What do you have to say about that, especially now in your new role at, at Baltimore City? I mean, the police have to feel honored and respected like the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, I think I see, you know, apparently she moved this new county, or I'm sorry, this uh, town administrator that they hired there, apparently had hopped around for a while, been in Minnesota, been at uh, some places in Virginia. Um, and the problem is, is sometimes we have people that we that come in and they're not familiar with the dynamic of the department or the town itself. And we start making issues that uh, for some of the large, more maybe larger metropolitan areas, maybe their issues, but they're not in other areas. And, and I'll give you an example of that is when I was down in Annapolis the last time and, and the Freddie Gray incident occurred, we had some legislators that really wanted to move forward with some really radical reg, uh, legislation at that time in 2016 against law enforcement. And they wanted to make these problems that they were seeing in Baltimore statewide problems and they weren't statewide problems if you go across the state of maryland i think overwhelmingly if you go throughout the state of maryland people are supportive of their police department they have professional or they have professionals in place to enforce these laws we have professionals in place to prosecute them they work hand in hand it's a very important part of our system the judicial process and moving and how we hold uh how we engage the community how we hold them accountable for when they break the law and how we adjudicate those laws or those prosecutions it's important when we start trying to make baltimore city's problems statewide problems that's a failing philosophy and i think that's what we saw a lot of and and i think we saw that even in most recently with their police accountability boards and the new uh process for handling police issues across the state. I mean, they've really um, stretched on what they're trying to accomplish here and made it statewide problems when they're just not the same type. It's a different, wholly a different type of policing that occurs in Baltimore. Um, I'm being exposed to that now firsthand, and it's important. The, the enforcement is important, but it's even just as important that the prosecutorial arm of the judicial process do their job, reaffirming the efforts of law enforcement, not making them vulnerable to attacks because we do not prosecute on appropriate arrests. And that's really uh, 
That's really it. Well, the the notion that um, these these the DOJ and or the state's attorney said, you know, we know that Soros has come in and kind of uh, positioned, we'll say, installed different. Um, prosecutors who are, are are more lenient and they're frankly progressive they're letting the bad guys out rather than keeping them away from the public where they can do more harm so you know there's a there's a whole issue in the department of justice that needs to be attended to right oh, i agree so, to, yeah to support you guys um one of the things we have to look at guys across the state and i'm imploring every listener to reach out to all of your spheres of influence across the state is we have to unseat some of these progressive Democrats. I actually think it's a disservice to Democrats to call them Democrats because they're they're, they're so far out there that they're they're on that communist socialist spectrum, and they have so un. Uh, balanced our our state to the point that we are we're we're in a very serious situation and i know that um you know you'll have the opportunity to talk to bill dodson in a minute about that he has an it's an interesting perspective but we have to do what we can to vote out these progressives in annapolis because they are doing us a disservice not just us republicans Right. But here's the thing, guys. If Baltimore City's leadership that's been in power for decades was doing such a bang up job, we wouldn't have the Baltimore City we have today. Think about that. So everybody needs to be worried about Baltimore City and 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 these progressive seats across the state that need to be returned to the people instead of being managed and, uh, and frankly, in some cases, corruptively taken over well, well, by, uh, by a group that, that does not think that you and I know what we're doing, and they don't want you to make decisions or me to make decisions as the voters. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, no. And I want to say one thing. One thing. We're going to go to break in one minute, so just complete that thought and take us to break if you sure. like. Sure. Uh, it's just important. It is about the legislative and, and holding the legislators accountable, but it's also holding these judges accountable. I mean, these judges are coming into um, sentencing guidelines, and in my opinion, they're way outside these guidelines when you have someone that commits an armed robbery in Baltimore City with a gun, and they do it, and they take 1100 or $1,200, whatever it was, and they get a probation before judgment sentence. They're 19 years old. We give them a PBJ, and then three years, not even three years later, that same subject is involved in killing a Wicomico County deputy sheriff, Glenn Hilliard, a father of three, a great Terrible. public servant. That is unacceptable, and there needs to be consequences for the failure to stay within these guidelines. There absolutely needs to be a, re, a way to recall these judges if they are not doing their job. I mean, and I, I believe that to my core. So, and there we go. Amen. From there. All right. Well, on that note, let's go to break. Everybody, you're going to listen for some news and weather from WFMD. Thank you very much, Bill, for sitting in for me on this next half. Have fun with Bill Dodson. Everybody, have a great week. I'll see you next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on Free Talk 930 WFMD. The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. 
Free Talk, 930 WFMD. And welcome back to Success Happens. Jennifer stepped away, so now you're stuck with me, and I'm. it is my hope that I don't do anything to get her canceled here, Frank. So we're going to move forward. We've got Bill Dotson on the line uh, from Charles County. You there, Bill? Hey, I am, Bill, and congratulations, man. I'm, I'm super excited that you won and look forward to supporting you in the general. Hey, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. So, Bill, we were talking about uh, some of the, you know, moving forward from this point. We just had our election on Tuesday. Um, some people are still maybe not ready to accept the others uh, or rally behind the other banner. Where are you at on this? How do you feel about it? I know you were um, supportive of Kelly and, and moving forward with how uh, her vision and now that the voters have spoken. Like, where are you at, Bill? Well, you know, I spent a year on the Kelly campaign. Um, I was there from the start, and I was there until the end. Uh, but in the Democratic process, the people voted, the people spoke, um, and the people opted to go another direction. Um, I am loyal to the party. I'm loyal to, to being a conservative. Uh, I called Jennifer, um, I think it was Thursday, and I'm, I'm fully ready to support Dan Cox. Uh, and I'm going to do my best, because I was in that inner circle of Kelly supporters, to convince everybody. Um, our, listen, our choices in November are going to be Dan Cox or Wes Moore. Wes Moore is a far-left radical progressive. Uh, if you read his agenda, I mean, he is far to the left of Ben Jealous. So for any Kelly supporter or any Republican uh, to say it's sour grapes and they're not going to vote for Dan Cox. Well, that's effectively a vote for Wes Moore. Correct. Um, I'm not in that camp. I'm I'm ready to go. And uh, it took me. I had to take a little vacation for a couple of days. I'm in Arkansas, the reddest state in the United States. <laughs> uh, and when I come back on, I, I went to an event last night. Uh, Senator Cotton was here and Sarah Sanders Huckabee. Right. And it got me revved up. And Good. I'm ready to come back on Tuesday and start working for Dan Cox. All right, so just to be clear, we're going to get you back, though. Like, you're not deciding to you're go ahead. You're going to get me back. <laughs> okay, all right, you're coming you're back. All right, back very good, very good. Yeah, we just want to make sure. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think that you have a really unique opportunity here. You have a great perspective on, you know, working with Kelly, um, being a part of that camp for so long, you know, from the, from its onset. Um, Kelly, obviously, a great person. Move forward with her, you know, her views. And Dan had some views that were a little more, um, accepted more widely, I guess, would be the right way. Uh, a little stronger conservative uh, core values on where he wants to be. Uh, and some pe- and people bought into that. So we've got to move forward with that. I believe I'm in lockstep with you. We've got to rally behind that banner. Uh, but it also becomes important that we not alienate any part of our base, but we've got yeah. to work really hard to engage those independents and those blue well, dog Democrats. You got it. But let me, let me tell you something interesting about the Kelly campaign. Uh, I think one of the reasons she lost has more to do with Kelly never ran a primary campaign. Their campaign from day one was to run again. I don't know how they knew Westmore was going to win because the strategist was wrong on everything else. Right. But he did have that right. They were running a general, cam- uh, general campaign against Westmore and ignoring Dan Cox. Yeah, and that's definitely so, a, a, that'll, that'll definitely hurt you in a primary. 
That's right. But my point is, so I've been preparing for six months to run against Westmore. Westmore uh, has a lot of skeleton in his closet. For example, you know, he wrote a book called The Two Westmores. In that book, uh, where he described one Westmore who was a black kid that ended up in jail, one Westmore who ended up being a Rhodes Scholar. Of course, that's him. He made a lot of false claims about where he lived. Uh, said he lived in Baltimore City. He lived in Baltimore County. Said his parents were on, his mother was on public assistance. That turns out to never be true. So, um, you know, I've been running for six months, basically. We've been doing our opposition research on Westmore. Right. Because that's who we intended to run against. I think Dan, I think Dan can go after Westmore, and basically his campaign has to be: if Westmore wins, Maryland will be more progressive in California. Yeah, because that should be concerning. You see what's to going anyone. on the le- yeah, you know what's going on in the legislature with the legislature moving so far progressive, right. and then you put a progressive governor. We're California. Yeah, I mean, and you'd like to think that over the past couple of years, even the even those on the left side would like to come back a little bit closer to the middle. I can't see where this mindset of they keep wanting to push the envelope further and further left, and they, there's no real concern, it seems, at times, that they see any error or, or that everything's okay. I mean, even going back to... Every, when I went door to door this time, and I don't know how it was, I'm sure it was very similar for you guys in Kelly's camp and Dan's, the number one issue that most people were talking about was this education, this, this uh, you know, indoctrination type education platforms that they're moving forward with and how scary that is and how they're pulling their kids out of the schools. That's a, that's a very telling thing. And, and we need to really, really, really make sure that we're representing everyone and not pushing so far to the left and and make it, and force feeding others that that's not a that is not a winning formula i agree you know i worked on the yunkin campaign and i really think that's what pushed him across um now westmore just so you know fully supports crt uh, being taught in the school fully supports mm-hmm. the transgender uh identity stuff and all so you're going to have two candidates when it comes to schools and school education with radically opposing views. And so I think that helps Dan Cox. I absolutely believe it does. I do, because I do not believe even blue dog Democrats, moderate Democrats, his position is so far to the left, it has to alienate the majority, at least a large part of the Democratic Party, and certainly the independents. And he's got to drive that school, just like Glenn Youngkin did, he's got to drive his school choice program yes. uh, and, and, and keeping this out of our schools because he'll get uh, – when I worked for Youngkin's campaign and worked the polls, I heard over and over again from very liberal uh, ladies in McLean, Virginia, I've never voted Republican, but I'm voting straight Republican this election. Yeah, I mean, that should be, that is definitely a high priority, a big concern amongst many voters. And it, and it's, that's, doesn't matter about party. We're hearing that time and time and time again. And, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, you know, a lot of these discussions that they're trying to put into the school programs now, these are difficult discussions for adults to have, let alone, you're not having a discussion with a child that's K through, you know, what, third grade, which is five through eight years old. 
that's not a discussion. Right. When you have a young pr- little person who has a malleable brain, you're no longer having an education-type discussion with them and honoring their opinion. That's a family value discussion that should be handled at home. When you're having that with a 5- to 8-year-old, you're literally telling them, this is what you need to believe, period. And that is wrong. Or this is okay, period. Yeah, and these are family value discussions. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Maybe high school, that's a different conversation. Um, Student is a little bit more mature. uh, But the DeSantis law in California simply says you can't talk about anything uh, till after the third grade. And I think 90% of people in America would agree with, with that bill. Yeah, I agree with you. Hey, Bill, we got to take a quick break. Can I get you to stand by and we'll come back here in a minute? Okay, great. Uh, We'll be right back with Success Happens. Thank you. Okay, welcome back to Success Happens. I'm your fill-in host for Jen today, uh, Bill Folden. And I've got Billy Dotson from Charles County on the line who was uh, working on the Kelly Schulz campaign for the past year. And I want to get back to some of the things you were talking about, Bill, with you know, the inside, um, the direction that you guys were had spearheaded forward with or that you guys were looking to follow. We were talking about with Wes Moore and how the concerns about the past and, you know, are these things that you feel that as being engaged with uh, Dan Cox's campaign that would be beneficial to them moving forward? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, Kelly unfortunately, ran a general election campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't see that Dan Cox could be an issue. And now they also didn't realize it was going to be a low turnout either. Yeah. But so they were running this general election campaign. And uh, I, I personally um, spoke to uh, Mike Levitt, who was running the campaign, Red Maverick, several times in April and May and said, you know, I'm out here engaged in the public. I went to 20-some, you know, Lincoln Day dinners and GOP clubs. And, and I told him, you know, Dan Cox is a significant threat. There, there really is a movement in the hard base of the Republican Party. Yeah, there definitely is. going to go his way. And they didn't want to hear it. And uh, But we can use, like I said, all that opposition research um, to, to, um, to move over to Dan's side. And the other thing that we can do, which, which you know, he doesn't have any organization. Um, I worked on both Hogan's campaigns and Yunkin's, and you've got these large 25, 30 professional organizations. Right. You've got media buyers, communications. You've got uh, financial people. You know who Allison Myers is, best financial right. person in the state. Um, Dan Cox has just got him and his daughter. So... <laughs> He's got him transition into a professional campaign and get a staff and hire people, but it's doable. So I want to make a really good point to your audience about something, um, about like people like me. I have a large company, uh, 283 employees. If Wes Moore becomes the governor, as you know, Maryland never got, even though Hogan sort of promised he'd get rid of the millionaire's tax, but he never had the strength to do it in the legislature. Right. Maryland is still one of the highest tax states in the United States, right? Yes, sir. Now, if Wes Moore comes in and he starts yanking up a secondary millionaire tax, right now there's a penalty at 250. He said he'd like to put one at 500, uh, raise the corporate tax, et cetera. This is what O'Malley did. And 
people that live in uh, Potomac, Maryland, move to McLean, Virginia. People in Southern Maryland move to King George. You're going to have a mass exodus sure. of businesses and high-income earners. And so this is another warning flag out there to get people to come over to the Dan Cox side. Yeah. I- uh, whether you like Governor Hogan or not, he did hold that we got no new we got no new taxes in eight years under Governor Hogan. Yeah, opposite under Westmore. I, I agree, and I think that we would be exposed uh, to many more uh, O'Malley-like increases in the future uh, should Westmore yes. win. Uh, you know, hey Billy, I want to ask you. So we were talking earlier, you know, about law enforcement. We're talking about the campaigns. I mean, what's the face that you're seeing of like your law enforcement down in your part of the state? I mean. Obviously, you got a great sheriff down there. They're doing good things. I mean, are your state's attorney, are yeah. they working well with your law enforcement to prosecute these crimes, or are we having issues there as well? Well, we're having issues there as well because, as you know, a lot of these sentencing guidelines and a lot of these things, uh, no cash bail, they're coming right. out of the legislature. Yeah. And they're, and, and they're handcuffing the hands of local law enforcement. Um, you know, I mean, nothing— uh, made me more upset, uh, I think, two years ago when they took away the law enforcement bill of rights. Yeah, it was last um, year. That went through yeah, the legislature. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you you and I both know that caused a mass exodus of police officers that were near retirement out of, out of, out of the police force. Oh, absolutely. And so, and you know, Governor Hogan did a lot to refund the police. Uh, uh, the, the governor has a lot of financial powers. Here, here's another thing that uh, people don't realize. Do you remember we had that ballot initiative in 2020 that took away a lot of the governor's financial power? Yes. That's right. So the next governor won't be able to do like what Governor Hogan did about refunding the police and stuff. So if we get an anti-police legislature and we get a Democrat uh, progressive in there, it's going to be a hard road for the police. Um, for sure. I think. And lastly, hey, you know, I think we should talk about for a second. Look what happened in St. Mary's County. It's very strange. Um, they had a state's attorney down there for many, many years named Rick, Rick Fritz. Mm-hmm. And even in a county where Governor Hogan, uh, I mean, um, Cox won over Kelly pretty big. Right. Governor Hogan's daughter won the state's attorney's uh, position against a very long-time incumbent. Correct. So I, I find that so interesting that Cox would win with an anti-Hogan sentiment, and then his daughter will win that state's attorney. But just like everybody else, the people in St. Mary's were tired of criminals getting these PBJs, as you talked about, PBJs and plea bargains and being right back on the streets. Well, you know as well as I do that, you know, while they may have taken that away, they took that authority away from the governor there last year, or 2020, I'm sorry, uh, because he's a Republican. Whether people, you know, you get people want to call different kinds of names about being a rhino or not conservative enough. It's a, it's a heavy lift to ask in, in a supermajority blue state. Um, and so you know as well as I do that should um, Westmore win, you know that's all gone, right? They're, they're going to change that right back and allow him to do whatever he wants to do. And that should be concerning. There's no balance of power at that point. That's what we have to tell people in this election. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's going to be some people with some Cox resistance, but we need to say to them, a vote for Westmore turns Maryland into a one-party state, and it's not a one-party Democratic state. Mm-hmm. It's a one-party progressive state. Yes. And, you know, and 
one thing I saw a lot of, Billy, you know, we touched on the education component, is a lot of people, and you kind of hit on it yourself, a lot of people are, that are voting in Maryland, they're, vo- they're voting with their boots. They're leaving because they are being overtaxed. And, you know, the retirement tax for our retirees is, is ridiculous. Um, and Maryland, when I was on the campaign trail, I, I would constantly talk about this because I was made aware of this about a year and a half ago, and I have never been able to understand or wrap my brain around this. But Maryland is the only state out of 50, the only state that has an estate and an inheritance tax. That is legalized theft of people that have been in the state and have grown their families here and their, their businesses. And and for us to not be able to transfer that to their lineage and they want their hands, palms still up, hey, give me some of that when they pass away and not able to just directly transfer that. And they're trying to shuffle their uh, their pro- uh, properties or things that they own to their children before they die so that they don't get hit with these huge taxes. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's funny you brought that up because besides being a large business owner, I'm judge of the orphans court. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you knew that. No. And so I go, I, I absolutely uh, know all about that. And Maryland is a very difficult state. And so um, I, I turned 60 last year and, uh, so many of my friends between 55 and 60 are going to the states like uh, Tennessee and North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Delaware, where it's a much better tax situation. And, you know, when somebody turns 60, their kids are out of school, they're, not a, they're, they're a very low cost to the state. They're not burdening right. the state with children in school. Correct. They're too young to burden the state with medical. I mean, we should not drive our 55 and 60-year-old people out of the state. But you're 100% right between the high tax rates and then the fact that it's difficult to transfer what you have when you die because of these um, unfortunate state tax laws. Uh, these are real problems. And a Governor Moore, you and I both know, he will go more in the opposite direction because they use this word equity to make any equity can be theft of estate money. Right. Equity can be moving uh, one thing to another. They're going to use these words, these these progressive buzzwords, to basically bleed everybody dry in the state of Maryland. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So, look, we have about – I just have a – we only have a couple minutes left here, Bill, but I do want to ask you one thing. Because you were involved so deeply with Kelly's campaign and, you know – just so many people and we're trying to, you know, rally up behind the banner with Dan moving forward. And we want to make sure we're bringing everyone into that fold. You know, we, I talked earlier at the beginning of the show, I talked about healing our County, healing our state and healing our country. How do we make sure that we're making that inclusive environment that we're going to make sure that we're moving forward with the best Dan Cox and the best conservative values moving forward and bringing everyone under that banner. Yeah, I I think we all have to just, you know, like I said, that was a tough loss for me, but we dust ourselves off and we have to look to the future, not to the past. And the future is only going to be one or two things. It's going to be Governor Dan Cox or Governor Westmore. Right. And we have to ask ourselves all these great points that you've made. We have to ask what, what kind of school do we want for our children to go to, our grandchildren to go to. Right. What kind of tax situation do we want our businesses to be in? Do we want to have all of our senior citizens driven out of the state 
so grandparents can't stay in Maryland with their grandchildren. Yeah. And when all those things are on the table, the only answer is to pick Governor Dan Cox. And so, you know, I'm going to make calls all week next week um, to the people that I know that were influential in the Kelly campaign. Right. Uh, they've had a week to soak this up yeah. and say, look, you know, it's not the outcome we wanted, but it. But now we have another thing to look at, the outcome of Westmore or Dan Cox as governor. Dan Cox is the better outcome. Um, we need to work together. You know, you know this because you were in a primary fight. Right. Uh, primaries are family fist fights. Yes. Um, but in a family fist fight, after it's over, you, you have dinner together. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for the Republican Party. We've, we've had our scuffle. We've had state Senate races that were scuffled, delegate races that were scuffles, state's attorney's races, governor's race. The races are over, and the nominees are the nominees. Yeah. It's time for us to sit back at the table and heal our family and uh, and move forward as one. Well, look, Billy, look, we're, get, we're running out of time here. I appreciate you. I respect everything you're saying, and I'm grateful for you calling in, my friend. And we'll definitely be rallying. I'll be seeing you soon. I do want to point out on the way out here that uh, the Sheriff Jenkins kickoff event is tomorrow at 1 p.m. at the Amvets Farm off 144. Come on out and show your support of our pro-law enforcement sheriff and moving forward. News Radio 9.